Hello, this is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth, continuing our series on how I came to worship. In this episode, I'm pleased to announce that I got to interview my grandmother, Betty Curtis, who tells me about her lifelong experiences through worship, and I hope you enjoy. God bless. This is Joshua Bell from The Kilt and the Cloth. I'm doing an interview with my grandmother, uh, Betty Curtis, as we talk about uh, our series on the podcast about what is worship. So, grandmother, thank you for being here. Um, I'm so glad that you and I get to have this conversation. Um, I'm curious, uh, because uh, as people that are listening are going to know that uh, we're a family of preachers. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of us. Um, and that we kind of grew up with preachers in our family. Um, I'm curious, how did you come to your faith? Was it, was it like, because we were, well, I mean, were you, you're, are you a preacher's kid? I was not a preacher's kid. Uh, my grandfather basically started the church in High Point, North Carolina. They did not have a Christian church there, and therefore... He did everything from cleaning to (laughs) everything but the preaching. (laughs) And so I grew up being in church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school in church. Afternoon, we visited the sick, the shut-ins. We went back to church for youth meeting and for church services. Wednesday nights was prayer meetings. So we lived in the church. So my faith came by absorption, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but from that, I mean, I, that's how I decided that to give my life to full-time service. Yeah, that's, that, I, I love how you say that, Grandmother, because you've, you've said that most of my life, the lifetime of service. Could, yes. could you expound on that a little bit? What does that mean to you? My, to give my life full-time service? Yes. Okay, I never wanted to be a preacher. That was the last thing I had in mind. What I wanted to do was full-time. So I, I, the next thing had offered to me at my age, because I'm 92 now, so my age, about the only thing we had open to us was Christian education. So I went that direction. First, I wanted music. And Phillips didn't offer anything in music for Christian service. Uh, so I went to Christian education. And, and so you got your degree in Christian education. Yes. And then how did that work after you graduated? For graduate? Yeah. I mean, when you, when you graduated, did you go into Christian education? <laughs> no, I married a preacher. <laughs> I yeah. married a friend without being ordained because there was very little ordination at that time. So uh, I served along with Gene in every aspect of the church, except the preaching. Right. And well, then, of course, I laughingly say I got three degrees. I got three MAs, Karen and Donna and Denny. I <laughs> 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 <It> was ordained. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so as, as, uh, as this was a part of your adult life, I'm I'm curious, do you remember your baptism? Oh, of course. Um, I guess 
I always looked forward to the day that I could be baptized as a child. But they said, usually you were 12 years old before you did that. Ten, I was pretty adamant about wanting to make my confession. So, and we usually did it during a revival. So sure enough, this preacher came and I especially liked him. And I thought, now's the time. I made my confession and I was baptized. Now, we met this little church that grandfather started was really in a, 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 just a house, but it had been adapted to a church. So the baptistry was under the floor up front. It was slightly elevated. And um, so when he had a baptismal service, it was not very worshipful. <laughs> right. They, water for the whole time during Sunday school and church to fill the baptistry. When time came for the baptism, they opened up the whole front of the church. All the elders ran up and they opened up the floor, moved all the chairs out of the, for the choir and the pulpit, and that was where the baptism was held. But just as meaningful as it was entertaining to some people. Well, yeah, no, I, I I find that extremely fascinating because uh, when you were growing up, with with this this would have been considered a Christian church. Yes, it was. Yeah. So so I'm finding, grandmother, which is fascinating to me, that Christian churches specifically uh, really put an em emph emphasis on having baptistries, uh, even though rivers and creeks and ponds were available. Right. It was really important that we had a baptistry in the place right. of worship. Um, right. And so I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated that that's how, so you were 10 when you were baptized. Yes. And, I was a little earlier than most of them, but. Right. <laughs> but you didn't have a pastor's class. No, there was no such thing. And I remember, I laughed, this is the funny part of it, but. When we, I made up my mind to make my confession, my sister was older than I. Mary had never made her confession, and I was concerned for her. So <laughs> I took her in to come in with me. But when the time came to go up, Mary wouldn't move. So I took her by the arm and escorted her to the front. <laughs> and laughs about it. She says, I would never made my confession without you dragging me up the aisle. <laughs> it was important, and she needed to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I uh, it gives a lot of understanding to the early time of baptism for us was, and it always has been a believer's baptism. Um, that's right. That's extremely important that we have that in this discussion, and and so, out of curiosity, were you allowed to have communion without being baptized as a child? No. Never. They said, well, you're too young to understand what that means. Mm. And so we watched the process <laughs> allowed to take communion. So, so what does communion mean to you today? Like, what does it mean in your heart? Josh, it's hard to, to explain. The, for me, the week is not complete until I've had communion. Mm -hmm. I look at it as, say, a oneness with others. I look at all the people that preceded me, the good saints of way back. I see my family and own past. 
I also look around and know that people around the world are sitting around that table that we were invited to come to. Mm. And that they too are there to remember. If remembrance is the, I guess, the key word, but it's more than just remembering. It's the one that's there also. So I guess that's, it's a, it's a, I don't even have a word to describe what it means to me. It's just. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I, um, I don't think we have a, one word to describe it. I, I, I think for. We always say remembrance. Yeah. And we do remember. We were given that. Remember him. And we do that in the breaking of the bread and drinking of the wine. But it goes deeper than just that. He invited everybody, not just those who were baptized or, or anybody. Everybody's invited to the table, and that oneness is important to me. So, do you remember when you first took communion? Oh, yes. It was. What was it like? The Sunday after I had been baptized, I could hardly wait to be included in that fellowship of Christians. Yeah, yes. that's, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I, you and I've never talked about this, but did you ever attend church camp as a kid? Of course I did. <laughs> I went to Milligan College in the mountains of Tennessee when I was in junior high and high school. And we had some really interesting people. We've had some really weird leaders at times. And I think the most important thing to me was when we gathered around a campfire for worship service. I loved that. And then they always ended, held open hands, singing into my heart, turning around, looking outward and singing out of my heart, and then quietly instructed to go to your room. And we were to contemplate what our life was and what we intended to do with the experiences we were having in camp. That's, that's awesome. Uh, part, part of the question, Grandmother, is I have found in my research that when you talk to people about their faith, that they talk about worship meaning so much to them at church camp and wanting to bring that experience back to the sanctuary and how hard it is because you can't recreate that moment at camp right. in the sanctuary. I thank goodness for Christ Mount here in our area and means to not only the kids, but to the adults that go there. Uh, I just, of course, I love that place, and it's, uh, I, I certainly feel the presence of God at Christ Mountain. Yeah. Still. <laughs> we, we, we know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole part of your soul. So, um, <clears throat> again, because of part of my research, um, now you and I are, are unique in the sense that for us, worship is a whole thing, like it's not just bits and pieces, but for the for the sake of the discussion, when you when you go to worship, and I know you haven't been able to be there physically in a long time, but when you were able to go physically, what was your favorite part or the part that you look forward to the most in that service? Was it like the prayer? Uh, was it the communion time? You know what I mean? If you're speaking of now at my age, Josh, I'm hard of hearing. So, so often I could not hear 
what was going on, the verbalizations of things. I looked forward to the prayer time, but I really couldn't hear mm-hmm. whom I was praying. So the music was important to me because I participated in it and I, I could hear what the choir was doing and, and the, you know, the music they were singing was extremely good. So that was, I guess, the most important. And however, during the pandemic, it's changed. We are now Zooming the service. And for the first time in several years, I can hear every word that's said. Oh, wow. Our minister is excellent. She has profound sermons that uh, when she takes her scripture and she equates it with life now, and what's, uh, I, I wouldn't miss a sermon. So I'll say now the sermons. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that, that's exactly what I wanted to know. Like, um, so, uh, of course, music is a part of our soul. Um, it's just who we are. Uh, right. Do you have a favorite hymn? That's like asking me. I know. Your daughters, do you love the most? I know. <laughs> so I tried to think that when Donna showed me this little list, you were going to ask some questions about. And I thought, what is my favorite hymn? And I can re- remember back when life was difficult, where, you know, every penny was important. And I looking ahead or during the time when my husband wasn't expected to live. I did a lot of singing of, uh, of different hymns that maybe I would pick as my favorites, but um, uh, I, you know they they were giving me hope, and I, I used the hymns to get me through so many times in life. If I'm happy, I may be belting out with theirs within my heart a melody, you know this sort of thing. Right, but. One that has stuck with me through all these years, I started out singing in church as soloist <laughs> when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. And they always asked for his eyes on the sparrow. That went with me into junior high school when I started taking voice. And I'd go out to all these different churches in High Point to sing, including the black churches. I always sang his eyes on the sparrow. So that's come with me through all these years. I think our children, if you ask them what was my song, they would say is Eyes on the Sparrow. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what they would say. I actually kind of had that written down that that would be. Because <laughs> I, I was trying to guess if I knew any of these answers, but that was, <laughs> I had, had, a, I had a, a, a Not a Rugged Cross. It was, um, how great thou art. I had that in your in your top five. Yes. But, well, um, I have fallen in love with the old gospel song. And I, you know I love classical music. Yeah. And I also, I love all kinds of music. But I have found precious Lord, take my hand to be beautiful for this time in life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love brother. that. I love that. Well, um. So because we, you know, we've been in church our whole life, I, I know that as a preacher's kid, I had certain times of the year that I just couldn't wait for. Um, so out of curiosity, what are, what's your favorite season or liturgical time of the year at the church? It used to be Christmas 
but it got so commercialized that I have trouble with competing with Santa Claus and gifts. (laughs) I think maybe I look more now more to Easter. Mm -hmm. It's all about anyway, his death, resurrection, you know, uh, the life that we live, the expectations we have for, for our future life. Yeah. And I enjoy watching as maybe other people don't think it's this way, but I watch the trees, leaves die and drop off. And then the tree regains just like a representative or symbolic of his death, burial, and resurrection. I watch the tulips die, come back in the spring. So I, I guess Easter now is mine. Yeah, I could see that. I, uh, so uh, part of part of my research is is that I'm I'm not saying that we have to get rid of churchy words, but uh, I want to know what people think the definitions mean to them, because um, the church created terms, and then we taught people what those terms meant, and then we changed the definitions. Um, so I am fascinated to know what you believe outreach means. What does outreach mean to you? I am serving in a church. I'm not serving. I am attending a church now that to me, it's whole, it's outreach. It's a whole outlook usually is outreach. Uh, That means they serve every community I can think of. I mean, we have, I don't know how many drivers for meals on wheels. Our women's group, every penny that comes in is given to a charitable organization. I mean, you know, it's just, to me, that's where it is, taking our church life into the community and serving. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is outreach. So then... It's your church. Well, for outreach, for us, it, 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 it means the same thing. Um, but I think sometimes it gets confused with the term evangelism. No. Uh, so when I say evangelism, what do you what do you think that means? Okay, I think we're all an evangelist. That's what I wanted to hear. Taking our beliefs and verbalizing it and acting it out to others, and therefore they will want to live that type of life also. Yeah, I and I think that's some of the conversation that we have a lot is is that outreach is is the doing, it's the actions of being a Christian, right? And an evangelism is talking about or yes. out why we do those actions, and and that's part of the struggle that I think we're finding in church today is understanding that there's a difference in in nature, but the words don't necessarily always give the definition. That's right. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I learned from the best. Um, oh my. <laughs> so uh, because it's it, it's important to me as I do all of these interviews, I, I'm curious, what's your favorite scripture? There you go again. I know. You know, and so I've, I've thought about that and I thought, what is my favorite scripture? And of all the ones that kept coming up, and I think, yeah, but then there's, and I think of another one. So for this time in my life, I say in the 90s, I think uh, 
maybe Matthew 25. Come, you blessed of my father. Maybe one of my favorites right now. That's awesome. I would never would have thought that. I love that. I do too. I, was, I do too. Um, I think about this a lot in our conversations over the years. I that's the two questions I knew that would be hardest for you and I to answer would be, "What's our favorite hymn? What's our favorite scripture?" You know, that's right? Because <laughs> to us, all of them are amazing. But um, for, for for my my research, the I, I appreciate that statement. That's that's awesome. That that's really good. Well, um, those are the questions that I have for my research. I, I, I appreciate you uh, participating in this interview. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm a, I, want, I wanted to say thank you for your time and, and such, and then I'm gonna push stop.